Welcome to Locked On Blackhawks for Friday, December 27th, 2019. Jay Zawoski with you here. It is game day. The Blackhawks face off against the New York Islanders tonight at the United Center at 7.30. Going to preview that game, but a big news day on Thursday. Before we get to all the big stories from yesterday, want to tell you how to get in touch. Voicemail 708-653-0572. Email LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. The Twitter account at LO underscore Blackhawks. While you're on Twitter, check out my personal account at jzawoski670. And, of course, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at Madhouse Pod. New episode of that show dropped Thursday afternoon, actually Thursday morning, after the news broke of Brent Seabrook, Brandon Saad, and Calvin DeHaan, which we're going to get into right now. So make sure you check out that episode. And, again, it's Friday. I know it's a weird week, so we're not that far away from Talk Back Tuesday. So start thinking about those questions for Tuesday's show and get them in, get those voicemails in, send those voice memos so Talk Back Tuesday can be a loaded and exciting show, as it always is. It'll be Corey Crawford's birthday, by the way, on the 31st. So happy birthday, Corey Crawford. Anyway, so if you missed it, and I don't know how you could have if you're a Blackhawks fan, here is the press release from the Blackhawks sent Thursday at exactly 11 a.m. Chicago Blackhawks team physician, Dr. Michael Terry, today released the following medical update. Forward Brandon Saad will be out approximately three weeks, right ankle. Defenseman Calvin DeHaan will undergo surgery tomorrow, right shoulder, and will be out for the remainder of the 2019-20 season. Defenseman Brent Seabrook will undergo surgery tomorrow, right shoulder, and will be out the remainder of the 2019-20 season. Seabrook is also scheduled to have surgery in early January on his right hip and in early February on his left hip. The team announced that DeHaan and Seabrook were today placed on long-term injured reserve. So, Oh boy, last week we were sort of speculating what is going on with Seabrook, and now we have the answer, and it's hard to, if you're looking at it from a coming back and playing hockey at a high level, or even even level from where he's been perspective, it's hard to feel very optimistic about Brent Seabrook. Now, I don't know the severity of these hip injuries. I think the fact that he was able to play on them, you know, recently, without any noticeable um, effects tells you it might not, it's probably not going to be a major hip surgery on either, but regardless, no hip surgery is really minor. Uh, that's, it's a difficult part of the body to repair. And for a guy who's struggled with speed for the last few years in his career, I don't know how well it bodes for his future. And I don't want to jump to any conclusions here, but it's, it does sort of feel like, this could be the end of Brent Seabrook's career, um, and and that would be really crappy, and that would sort of suck. And I think I've made it abundantly clear on this podcast how much I respect Brent Seabrook and how he's been one of my favorite members of this core of Stanley Cup champion players. And this just sort of tells you the story. The fact that he's ready for three surgeries to happen back to back to back and he was playing competitive hockey, what, a week and a half ago? These injuries are the results of years and years of him giving everything he had to the team and to the city and uh, everything he had on the ice, and now you're seeing the effects. And I know that it was hard to look at Brent Seabrook for a lot of people with a lot of affection 
based on his contract, based on his level of play, and the combination of the two, really. That was an albatross contract. It remains an albatross contract. And uh, he was not playing at a high level anymore, which is understandable. He's a 34-year-old defenseman with a ton of miles on him. And now we're learning exactly what those miles have done to his body. I don't think it should be, you know, I don't think the Kelvin DeHaan injury should fall through the cracks either. Trading for him was a risk that Stan Bowman took. He knew that he was coming off a surgically repaired shoulder, the same shoulder he's getting fixed that that was announced on Thursday and he'll miss time. Now he's going to come back on a shoulder that's been surgically repaired twice. He's got years left on that deal. He's got, uh, after this season, two more years on a deal that pays him $4.5 million. Brandon Saad, three weeks is good news. That means he could be back in time for the trade deadline, where I think at this point it probably makes some sense for the Hawks to look to trade him. As effective as he's been for the team this year, it's sort of time now to consider a rebuild. And I think it becomes easier to justify to those that were maybe on the fence here with DeHaan and Seabrook out for the year. It's going to be a struggle this year. And I think the idea of playoffs is becoming more and more of a pipe dream. And look, Brent Seabrook, in his current state, I don't think it was going to make the huge difference between being in the playoffs or not. Calvin DeHaan might have been, right? A guy who was playing at a very high level before his injury he was probably right up there with Connor Murphy and Duncan Keith, one of your more reliable defensive players, and had added a bit of an offensive element before he got hurt. Losing him, it is it hurts a lot. Brandon Saad for three weeks is tough too. He's been a guy who's brought stability to whatever line he's been on. Wherever Brandon Saad goes, success follows. And yes, while he's not stacking up the points like we would like him to, He's still been a very effective player in all ends of the ice. Penalty kill, power play, even strength, all three zones. He's been really, really great this year. So losing him and DeHaan and Seabrook is really tough. And if you read Scott Powers in The Athletic over the last few days, there's not much of an update on Andrew Shaw either. There's no improvement. He's not started skating or anything like that. He's, he's hurt, and he could be hurt for a long time. So I wouldn't expect him back anytime soon either. And Drake Kajula, who everyone seemed to think was coming back when Dylan Strom came back, still has not been anywhere close to returning. So with all these things in mind, it's sort of time to think, how do we handle the rest of the season? How should Sam Bowman handle the rest of the season? And where do we go from here with uh, not only this season, but beyond? The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL and using locked NHL at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at lockedonpodcasts.com slash offers. Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, continues. We are discussing the big news from Thursday. Calvin DeHaan and Brent Seabrook placed on long-term injured reserve, both out for the season. Brent Seabrook to go under surgery on his shoulder, then one hip, then the other hip, 
over the next three months. It's going to be a really tough road ahead for Brent Seabrook. And I think that sometimes we can lose sight of the physical <laughs> pain these guys go through to play this game. And man, what he has ahead of him is pretty damn daunting. So best wishes to Brent Seabrook. I hope that it's a uh, as effortless of a recovery as it can be. And, and look, maybe he can get back to playing hockey in the NHL again someday, hopefully for the Blackhawks, who knows. Um, but look, this thing, as we acknowledge the crappiness of the situation and the way it could be ending here for Brent Seabrook, we've got to look at how it affects the Blackhawks on the ice. And yes, all of a sudden, the Blackhawks are blessed with some cap space they probably weren't expecting. And they could use it if they wanted to. If the Hawks wanted to go on and try to trade for some unrestricted free agents, because look, they're going to have to deal with Kelvin DeHaan and Brent Seabrook's salaries next year at some point, right? Probably at least DeHaan's. So if you wanted to go and use this cap space for just this year, maybe they can go shopping for some unrestricted free agents. But to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. What is that going to accomplish for this roster? I could see if they were in the wild card spot right now or you know, they had a, a decent lead over the last place spot in the division or whatever, where they were truly a, a, a chance not only to make the playoffs, but to make some noise in the playoffs. If that was the case, if they were a Dallas or a Calgary or, you know, or the Jets even, somebody like that who's, okay, they're in the mix, they're in the hunt, you know, probably not necessarily Stanley Cup contenders, but you want to give yourself a shot, then maybe I could consider giving up some prospects, giving up some picks, and using this cap space to make this team competitive. But from what I've seen, and it's, you know, December 27th, nothing tells me that even if miraculously the Blackhawks sneak into the playoffs, even if that happens somehow, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to beat anybody. Maybe they win a round and really shock the world and beat somebody in the first round or something like that. But we all know this is not a Stanley Cup contender. When this team was fully healthy, we knew this team was not a Stanley Cup contender. A playoff threat? Definitely. Right? Had everything gone right? Had, you know, Strom stayed healthy? Had Shaw stayed healthy? Had Kajua stayed healthy? On and on and on. This team's probably in better shape than they are right now. And much better shape going forward, obviously. But... Just the way they're built right now, the way the team is, I'm using this opportunity to develop everybody I can. I want Gilbert playing. I want Boquist playing. I want big minutes for these guys. See what you've got. This season is lost. It's lost. And as soon as teams start calling about players like Zach Smith and maybe Ryan Carpenter and maybe Connor Murphy and maybe Ole Mata, and of course, Eric Gustafson, you start taking these calls. And when Brandon Todd's healthy, you start taking calls on him too. It's I don't know if I'm at the point yet where I'm trading Kane and Taves and Keith. I'm definitely listening if teams are calling about it. But the, if you can get rid of some of these veteran-type guys that were brought in and fill out your roster with some kids, you've already got a bunch. You've got... Doc, Kubelik is only 24, Nylander, Strom, Debrinkit, Highmore, Quenville, Secura. Look, Olimata is only 25. 
Adam Boquist is 19. Dennis Gilbert's 23. You've got a lot of young players already on this roster. But you kill, you know, you trade one of these defensemen and call up Ian McCoshin or Philip Holm, who looked decent in the preseason. Or Chad Chris, who we've been hearing about for years, even though he's only 21. I think this is time. This All this does, to me, is gives you the absolute green light to go ahead and rebuild and not feel bad about it and not feel like you're giving up on the season. Because I think if you're looking at this with a level head, if you're looking at the Blackhawks team from your brain and not your heart, I think you'll understand that this team is not a competitor. And that's what Stan Bowman is paid to do. He is paid to look at this team using, you know, coldness, non-emotion, and doesn't seem like much of a problem for Stan Bowman because he doesn't seem like the most emotional guy in the world. But the time has come for rebuild, and I think full rebuild, meaning trade everybody, Taves, Kane, Keith, I'm still... I'm still having trouble getting there because I do have emotions tied to these guys. And I do think the three of them have some good hockey left, especially Kane. Kane's probably got three years left at or close to the level he's playing at right now. I see no signs of him slowing down. Keith Taves, we've seen a bit of slowdown from those guys. But start moving out veteran pieces while you can. Maybe you hasten the signing of Dylan Strom and don't wait till this summer. Lock him up, get him, maybe you can get him under $6 million and feel pretty good about that. But I think this is it. The time has come because of this injury situation for DeHaan and Seabrook. And look, I think we all knew that DeHaan would be out for a while. But Seabrook being out for a while and sat out for three weeks on top of Shaw not close, and Kajula not close. I think this just tells the Blackhawks, you know what, your suspicions about this team, what you were probably feeling but were kind of maybe too shy or gun-shy to say or think out loud, it's probably true, it's probably time. Let the rebuild begin. It's game day on Locked On Blackhawks, and as we do every game day, we are going to go behind enemy lines and take a look at this evening's opponent, the New York Islanders. The Islanders have 49 points in 35 games. They are 23-9-3. 49 points is best for third in the Eastern Conference and second overall in the Metropolitan Division behind the Washington Capitals. Over their last 10 games, the Islanders are 5-4-1. On the road, they are 10-5-1 on the season and are a plus 14 in goal differential. Looking at the advanced statistics, the New York Islanders are over their last 10 games, 22nd in the NHL with a 47.34 Corsi 4 percentage. The Blackhawks are 25th over their last 10 games with a 46.81 Corsi 4 percentage. As as far as high danger chances go, the Blackhawks not doing great. They are last in the league with a 39.77. That's 70 high danger chances for and 106 against The Islanders are 20th over their last 10 games with a 48.86 high danger scoring chances for percentage. That's an 86 to 90 ratio. Looking at the statistical leaders for the Islanders, by the way, this is a sneaky good team. I know that it's not one of the teams that we keep an eye on from Chicago very often, 
but the Islanders are turning some heads. They're a solid team. Matthew Barzal leads them in scoring with 32 points in 35 games. That's 16 goals, 16 assists. Brock Nelson, 13 goals, 15 assists for 28 points. Anders Lee, who is very close to joining the Blackhawks this summer, I'm told, but chose the Islanders because he was given the C on his jersey. 11 goals, 11 assists, 22 points in 35, in 35 games. And Josh Bailey, 8 goals, 14 assists, 22 points in 35 games. In goal, Thomas Grice and Semyon Varlamov are a solid tandem. Varlamov's gotten more of the action this season. He's got a 2.47 goals against average, a save percentage of .919 in 21 games played. That's 18 starts. Thomas Grice has gotten 17 starts, a 2.43 goals against average, a .924 save percentage. So he has the better numbers overall. The second season in a row where the Islanders have gone with the goalie split. Last year it was Robin Leonard and Grice. This year it's Varlamov and Grice, and both guys are playing very well. So this will be a very tough matchup for the Blackhawks. While the Islanders don't score a ton, they don't give up a ton either. So it's going to take some, uh, you know, especially shorthanded here. The Hawks are going to have to take advantage of the odd man chances they get. If they get some power play opportunities, they're going to have to score on them. And I will say... Over the last little bit, the power play has been looking better. It still hasn't gotten great results. It's gotten some results, but not great results. But you're seeing them with more zone time. You're seeing them with better puck movement, better looks. Now they're getting to the point where, yeah, they've got the puck in the zone for the most part, but they're looking for that extra pass, which has been something they've been doing since Joel Quenville was here. That's extremely frustrating. Just getting the puck on net, getting guys in front. It's been the way the power play has worked in the National Hockey League for over 100 years now. So uh, keeping it simple is something I want to see the Hawks do, and I think that second power play unit has done a really solid job of doing that, getting the puck in the first place, keeping it simple, keeping it in the zone, and getting shots to the net with traffic in front. Um, Interesting to see how Jeremy Cowan is going to shift up the lines after this long break. Maybe nothing changes. Maybe lots of things change, but... It should be very, very interesting. I'm, I'm glad the Hawks are getting back to hockey, and I'm sure they're thrilled to get the taste of that 7-1 loss from Monday night out of their mouths. That that loss to the Devils was a hell of a way to start off a uh, an extended Christmas break. And here's one thing I'll say about the Hawks. When they have suffered embarrassing or crushing losses, they've responded well. They usually come back the next game and put up a decent performance. And if you listened to Jeremy Cowan after the game Monday against New Jersey, he sort of said, like, why they seem to have more success on the road than at home. And he pointed to that simple game. They keep it simple. They're not trying to do too much. And I think the Hawks have some pressure psychological. You know, maybe they're aware of it. Maybe they're not. But when they're at home, they're always trying to do too much. They play a simpler game on the road, and it, and it tends to work better for them. Now, can Jeremy Cowan coach that into them to play a more defensive-minded, maybe not defensive-minded, but a safer style? Make sure you have puck support, right? Be strong through the neutral zone. Don't turn the puck over. Make the simple and smart play. They do that more often on the road than they do at home. And... They're going to want to have a good response at home. Look, over their last two home games, 
The Hawks have been outscored eleven to two. That's if you're not if you're not sure if you're not big on advanced stats, that's not good. <laughs> eleven to two over the last two games at home is not good. And this is going to show a lot this game. I feel like, you know, if you see them come out with some sort of response, they're not just throwing in the towel. And it could be tempting right now to do that. To be facing the rest of the season, the next four months, without Brent Seabrook, their emotional leader, their vocal leader, their leader on the ice, and without Calvin DeHaan, and not great news on Brandon Saad, Coming off that loss, I'm very interested to see what the response is going to be tonight. And I hope it's a positive one. I hope the Hawks can, you know, sort of rally around this as opposed to just use it as a reason to quit. And I look, like I said, I want them to rebuild, but it doesn't mean I don't want them to compete. I'm not I'm not on board for a tank. I don't I hate that concept. I it just it doesn't seem to work out. When you lose on purpose. It never seems to pay off for the teams that did it. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure there's some study that's been done, does tanking work or not. But first of all, it's not very much in hockey players' natures to do that. It's also a tough sport to tank in. What are you going to do is not shoot? Can't really do that. Um, But look, I'm hoping the Hawks come out with a really nice response tonight and give the Hawks fans something to cheer about because as much as, you know, we shouldn't worry about attendance and all those things, the people at the top do, and if the Hawks start to really start getting crushed night after night and fall way, way out of this thing, you're going to see attendance dip. I've been keeping my eye on SeatGeek over the last few weeks just to sort of see, like, what's available the day before a game, the day of a game, and more and more tickets are being sold at lower, lower prices. So it's going to start to reflect, and they can tout that sellout number all they want consecutive sellouts those are tickets sold those aren't butts in the seat keep an eye out for some empty seats some not empty sections but there will be some seats available if you want to go to the game friday night i've been thinking about it trying to justify spending the money for three of us my wife my daughter and i to go to a hawks game and it's tough you know that's a 350 dollar investment you know, once you get parking, and I know you don't have to eat and drink, but you're bringing a kid, so that's part of the agreement. <laughs> you know, hey, you put up with this for three hours, and you'll get some ice cream and maybe some nachos out of it. So it's tough. It's tough for me to throw my money there right now. But let's see. Let's see the response tonight. Hopefully we can head into the weekend feeling good about the Blackhawks, and we'll be back on Monday talking about a win over the Islanders and hopefully a win over the Columbus Blue Jackets on Sunday afternoon. But with that, we're going to wrap things up here on Lockdown Blackhawks. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We'll talk to you on Monday. Remember, Talk Back Tuesdays coming up. Get those questions in. Voicemail 708-653-0572. Email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. We'll talk to you on Monday on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.